You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is the final day of November, which means Christmas is just that much closer and it makes me happy. Welcome to Crunch Time, Matt and Miguez here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Producer and co-host is Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Wednesday to you, sir. Happy hump day. How are you? It's a good Wednesday so far. It is a good Wednesday. It has not been bad. Um, as, as some would say, it's a Chamber of Commerce day. It is a Chamber of Commerce day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to steal that phrase from Jordy Holberg. It is, it is a Chamber of Commerce day. Um, so the we're, we're going to get to a lot of things today. We are. The, it's championship week in college football. The World Cup is still happening. There's high school football semifinals this weekend. There's, there's a lot we got to get to. However, we're going to start with the playoff rankings. Because, in my opinion, this is an absolute travesty. It's ridiculous. So we're going to get into it. If you have something to say about it, 337-706-0111. Here in Acadiana, don't forget you can watch us on the simulcast. It's very easy. Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So, James, you know, let's take a deep dive into the rankings, discuss, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to start from the bottom and go up. So, at 25 is NC State. Fair. They've had a good year. They're 8-4. and four. They've got some big wins. You know, fine with it. Cool with it. 24, Mississippi State. Also, cool with it. They got a win over Ole Miss, you know, this, that, and the other. It's fine. North Carolina, again, Tar Heels, they're fine. Fine. Fine where they're at. UCF. UCF. Shouldn't they be a little higher than 22? I mean, they've got a win over Tulane, who's sitting at 18. They are playing for the American Conference Championship game. I mean, yeah, they're 9-3. and three, But if you look at their schedule... And, and you look at who they've lost to. They lost to Louisville by three. They got spanked by East Carolina. That's probably the game that's holding them back. You mean six? They lost by six to Louisville, yeah. They got spanked by East Carolina. And, and they th- lost by three to Navy. And then they lost to Navy. Which Navy isn't a great program either. But, okay, so maybe maybe I, I, now, I, now you feel I like retract. Maybe you feel a little retract. more justified. Okay, I retract. 22 is fair. Notre Dame at, at 21. That's fine. You know, they've they've had some good wins, but they've also got some really bad losses. So, you know, that's fine. Texas at 20, also fine with that. North Carolina coming in, at, I mean, North Carolina, South Carolina coming in at 19. Kudos to them. I mean, Beamer Ball is alive and well in Columbia. That is, I mean, they beat Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back weeks. How impressive is that? Then you got Tulane. Obviously, we've talked about Tulane. We know what Tulane's doing. Good for them. Good luck in the American Championship this Saturday. UCLA's had a big year. 
15-16 is interesting to me. Oregon State, Oregon. Wasn't it just like two weeks ago that Oregon was like seven? Yeah. And, and on the cusp of, of being in the playoff? Yeah. I mean, I, I know they lost to Washington, and then they've, they've lost two of their last three games. So obviously they were going to fall. But are we really going to justify them falling 10 spots for losing to two high-quality opponents? Like very high-quality, both of them ranked higher than Oregon is? Would you justify putting Oregon State all the way at like 11? Yeah, I would. Because, and the reason that I say that is because if you look at their losses... Who do you who would you move then? Like Washington and Florida State? I think Florida State's too high. I think Florida State's way too high. You would probably put what would you say? Florida State at sixteen instead of thirteen? I'd, I'd, I'd probably put them yeah, I'd probably put them down where Oregon is. Now Washington can be ahead of Oregon, that's fine. I I'd I'd flip Oregon and and, or, and Florida State. Because as nice as it was to see Oregon State beat um, Oregon, a lot of their other wins aren't very impressive. But they did beat Oregon. They did beat Oregon. So to me, you got to put Oregon State ahead of Oregon no matter what. I don't so care. Then, I don't care if the Ducks have had the better schedule. So then, so then, counter argument. So then, what would you say? Put Oregon State at thirteen, Oregon at fourteen, and then have LSU be at fifteen or something, or? Cause you're, cause both of us agree. We already felt like, damn, that was kind of a big fall for yeah, LSU. Yeah, LSU fell farther than I thought they would. Um, I don't know, but because I mean, again, if you look at Oregon State's schedule, their three losses are to USC by three. They got pummeled by Utah, forty-two to sixteen, and then they lost to Washington. And their only win that really you know jumps out at you is their win over Oregon. I mean, yeah, they beat Stanford, but Stanford finished like 3-9 this year. Their coach literally resigned at the end of the season. So, like, none of their wins, their their schedule wasn't super impressive. And obviously, uh, I'm talking bad about a program that our guy Brendan Earl works for, and he's coming on later today, so that's probably not a great idea. But... Yeah, you're digging yourself a hole. I, I just... But to me, it, to me, it doesn't justify, like you said, Oregon State being that high. But I think you got to put Oregon State ahead of Oregon no matter what, and with that being the okay, case. Okay, so with that logic, let's go up the polls. We'll come back. Let's go up a little bit. Explain to me why Alabama is ahead of Tennessee. Now, I understand Tennessee lost to South Carolina, but by that logic, if Tennessee beat Alabama, shouldn't Tennessee be ahead of Alabama? And then, obviously, you know, the top four isn't really surprising. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Southern Cal. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not really surprising. Uh, USC beat Notre Dame. Ohio State lost. I figured they would fall out of the top four. You said you were saying why is Alabama ahead of Tennessee? Right. Well, to me, it's by, by that logic, wouldn't it be the same thing? You would think so, but to me, the fact that you don't have Hinton Hooker anymore. And you see, that's wrong. The fact that their spot in the rankings 
depends on now I I get it. Hendon Hooker was a huge factor for Tennessee this year, and I'm not denying that. Huge. However, the fact that their spot in the rankings depends on missing one player just feels wrong to me. That just that doesn't feel right to me. Um Penn State at eight. It's a bit of a stretch, but okay. Clemson at nine. Okay. Kansas State at 10, Utah at 11. I think those are both warranted. But, you know, what's going to get interesting here is USC, obviously, if they don't win the Pac-12 championship game, they're not going to be in. But who, at that point, slips in? Because neither Ohio State or Alabama is playing in a conference championship game. So are you going to take a one-loss Ohio State team where their only loss is to Michigan, who's a playoff team? I think they're a playoff team regardless. I mean, they would have to get annihilated by Purdue, which I just don't see happening. Um, would you take that one-loss Ohio State team, or do you take an Alabama team that, yeah, they have two losses, but both losses were on the final plays of the games? And they combined for four points. Right. <laughs> like, which one's got... As much as I hate to say it, because I would love to see Alabama out of the top four, I think you got to put Bama. Which, man, how the tables have turned. Funny, it's funny how they always find new ways back in. Let's go to the hotline now. Jay, what's up? Um, I think you answered your own question. Uh, what's South Carolina record? I know they beat Clemson, uh, Clemson and uh, Tennessee. South Carolina's so South eight Carolina, and four. I'm sorry. They're eight and four. Yeah, you can't, you know, you know, you're a top five team losing to them. I know they lost their quarterback, but you know, uh, the schedule and you and you, like you said, Alabama, their both losses came within the last sec, like you said, the last play of the game. You know, uh, that that has to count for something. But um, I think in this format, it's going to be a while before they accept the two loss team. So I think um, Ohio State will get that nod if something if you have a shakeup. You know, if you have um, if TCU and USC lose then, you know, Alabama will get a chance. But um, I don't see them picking a two-loss Alabama team over a one-loss Ohio State, even though Alabama's schedule, you know, you would think it's uh, it's tough. I was about to say, you you got to think Bama's more deserving. I I just – talking about a team with two losses, it just doesn't fit right. I understand that their strength of schedule is going to play a key. And just like what I just said, you know, their two losses came – and just you said the same thing, uh, last plays of the game. Uh, who knows, man? But hopefully, uh, USC take care of the uh, take care of business. And I don't want, I don't want to see TCU to lose. I don't want I don't want to see them losing. I don't want to see that. You see, but, I'm uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, Jay. I think even with a TCU loss, I still think they're in. No. <laughs> Who's their strongest uh, opponent? They beat this year. Uh, I mean, well, they beat Texas. That's a weak. That's a weak. That's a weak conference, man. No, they're not allowing that. I'm, so you're not going to allow a team that has five top 25 wins? Who they beat? Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State. They've already beaten Kansas State, and they beat Texas, as well as Baylor. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, that's a weak conference. You know, you don't want – that's like I said, they have to win. If they lose, I don't think the committee will look at them and say, oh, they, uh, they beat five top 25 teams. Because the teams you just named, 
I don't think any of those teams are in the top ten. I know they're Can- top twenty five. Kansas, they, they Kansas top, State, uh, top ten teams. Kansas State uh, is Kansas State is tenth. Tenth right now. Mm-hmm. What's their record? Nine and three. Like I said, three losses in the top ten. That, that's that's weird to me, man. Um, but now, they, like I said, once again, TCU. If they lose, TCU is not playing in the uh, playoffs. I hope you know that. If they lose, they're not going to get selected. You hope, right? You you don't uh, you don't agree. <laughs> I I mean, but, I wouldn't be surprised now, if they I didn't kinda, get well, in. I kind of hope they lose now to see, so just to prove my point now, because they're not going to make it. What, what's they your if they lose? What, what what's your what's your point? I'm not disagreeing with you. Oh, oh okay. I thought you disagreed. Okay. I'm saying I I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoff after a loss, but I think that they have done enough to be in. Yeah, if they win Saturday. No, you see, I think even with a loss, they've done enough. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, five top twenty-five wins. One of them is currently tenth. And two of them are currently ranked in the playoff. Now, if they get blown out by Kansas State, then yeah, I think that they would be out of it. But I think you, if you've got a close, you know, touchdown game, I think TCU's done enough to be in as the four seed. But. I mean, obviously, that's not up to us to decide because that's up to the college football committee. But anyways, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a time out and we return. We'll recap today's craziness of the World Cup and more of your phone calls on the hotline 706-0111 right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez here. You know, looking at the playoff rankings again... James, I'm gonna bring you in here. We'll have a we'll have a quick discussion before we move on to the next set of topics. Say TCU and USC loses. Say they both lose their conference championship game. So then USC would have their second loss on the season, while TCU has their first. Correct. I feel like then you would lean towards TCU, since that would be the first. So then, time who would lose. take who would take the third spot, or would TCU stay at three? TCU would probably. St- Day three, and then you just bump up Ohio State. Bump up Ohio State. Okay. You see, that things could get interesting there because what you would see then is you would see a Georgia Ohio State semifinal. That could be interesting. 
And then we get a Michigan TCU. Michigan TCU, which, I mean, probably Michigan. Yeah, you'd probably you'd probably lean Michigan with that. Probably one. Michigan. Oh, excuse me. Chill. Uh, man, I'm, I get excited about the playoffs sometimes. I just can't control it. But uh, no, this, this championship Saturday is definitely going to be interesting with the with the six major conference championship games, and we'll recap all of those once again throughout the remainder of the week Jamie Chadwell has announced that as of right now Grayson McCall will not play in the Sunbelt Championship game on Saturday against Troy that could be a major major blow for the Chanticleers if that stays true we'll look at the World Cup scores from today Australia beating Denmark 1 to 0. How about this James? France losing to Tunisia 1 to 0. Now, granted, France is moving on. They were so far ahead it didn't matter what happened today, which is probably why they just took the L and moved on. Sad everybody, take the L, move on. Um Argentina beating Poland 2 to 0. Kind of interesting. And then so with that loss, it's very simple. Mexico had to win by four goals or more to move on. Since they didn't, officially, Mexico has been removed from the World Cup, eliminated from the World Cup, due to the number of yellow cards. Man, what a time. What a time. I have I don't think I have ever seen a team get eliminated from a tournament as prestigious as the World Cup because of penalties. Because of the number of yellow cards you had been given. I don't think that's ever happened in any sporting event. If there is, I'd like to know about it because I have never seen that before. That is You got you got eliminated because you cuz like how many did how, were they just that do they have that many yellow cards? So I'm a I'm a look Cause, that up because because they what I'm guessing had like thirteen, okay so fourteen against Poland, and obviously you know we'll continue. You feel, you feel like they maybe racked up like you had, six or seven there. You had two against Poland, okay, which you know that's pretty that's standard. That's, that's, that's not, not a lot. Yeah, that's not that's not a lot. Um, or was against, or was Poland just that clean and they only had like one? Against Argentina, you had four. Okay, so six. That's a lot in two matches. And then today against Saudi Arabia, you had one. So that's seven. Poland was just playing that squeaky of a game? They must have. They must have. Seven seven yellow cards in three matches? That's a lot. Feels like a little much. That's a lot. Granted, Saudi Arabia had six today against Mexico. Six. Lord have mercy. And yet none of nobody got sent off. That is that is uncanny. Um, but anyways, so now we're we're at the point where the the tables are are starting to get a little interesting in the World Cup conversation because so now you're going to have on Friday, they will begin 
the knockout rounds. I'm sorry, Saturday will be in the knockout rounds, excuse me. Um, the Netherlands will play Argentina while the Netherlands will play the United States. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Netherlands will play the United States. Australia will play Argentina. And then on Sunday, France will play Poland. And England will play Senegal. And then from there, you will kind of start to figure out some more groups as they as they close up shop tomorrow and Friday. And that will determine Monday and Tuesday's schedules in the round of 16. But the, James, this is a golden opportunity for the Americans who haven't made it past the round of 16 since 2010. And in 2010, they only got to the quarter. They lost in the quarterfinals. This team hasn't made it past the quarterfinals since 1994 when they played in the third place game. So, you know, this is a prime opportunity. And as, and as good as the Netherlands have been, I don't want to knock the way the Netherlands have performed because they do have a great squad. Matthias Delete, Virgil van Dijk, You've got Luke Dijon, Memphis Depay. Like, you have talent. Frankie Dion. But this feels winnable for the Americans. I don't know why. I don't know why I feel that way. But in my gut, it just this feels like a winnable contest for the Americans. Let's go to the hotline. Martin, what's up? Hey, buddy. Uh, been a while, man. Uh, so, I mean, I was kind of listening this morning, too, and, and, and RP3 kind of shares the same, uh, you know, opinion you do. With the, I, 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 I think they got the, the college football rankings 100% correct, one through, uh, what is it, seven, you know, after Tennessee, you know, Uh do I think Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama? Definitely not. I mean, and here's why I say that. They barely beat Alabama, okay? And this is not the same Alabama team from years ago, you know? But does Alabama still deserve to be ahead of them? Yeah, because Tennessee got taken behind the woodshed by South Carolina. And I don't care that their quarterback got hurt. Even if he was still in there, South Carolina had their number all game long. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I I'll, mean I'll I'll agree. I I'll agree with that. People are thinking that Tennessee deserves to be ahead of Alabama just because Tennessee beat Alabama. If I'll they would have took care of business with South Carolina, they wouldn't be having this discussion right now. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that point. But what I will not agree with is the fact that you said that Tennessee barely beat Alabama. Well, to be fair, Alabama did come back and they had the opportunity to take the lead themselves with a field goal, but they had missed it. So, to be fair, you know, Alabama I mean, could have easily taken the lead with a few Tennessee, seconds left. Tennessee owned Bama in that game, and then Bama came back towards the end. You know, and I'm not one to blame it on back call, but there was back calls on both sides of the ball. Don't, don't, don't forget that for that game, too, as well. You know what I'm saying? Uh... Now, uh, do you, I, I haven't heard you chime in on this. Do you believe that LSU should have fell as far as they did? No, I don't. Lost to, uh-huh? I don't feel they should have fell as far as they did. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I think they 
should have, and here's my reason. What what quality win does LSU have this season besides Alabama? Because look at, I mean, you could say Florida, but Florida went and they they lost to Vanderbilt. Then you can say Ole Miss, but Ole Miss went and lost to Mississippi State. So I mean, so so we're so because of because of one bad game on either team, we're gonna we're gonna take away the quality of that win. Well, I mean, I mean, you kind of have to because absolutely not. I mean, you lose to a weak opponents like they did, then it, it takes away from how, how how powerful are you, you think? You see what I'm saying? That That's absolutely but incorrect. How How is that incorrect? Because, I mean... So teams, so so in a so in a so in a twelve. I mean, they got it right. So in a twelve game schedule, you play one bad game, and and you don't become a quality opponent anymore. I mean, in my eyes, no. I mean, I I look look at all of that. I mean, but anyway, that's a different discussion. I wanted to call and see. I mean, y'all talk about the World Cup. You know, one player that I always wanted to see get a World Cup title is uh, Messi. What do you think Argentina's chances are? I mean, did, weren't they in the last final uh, four years ago in the in the World Cup? Or was that eight uh, years ago that they were in it? That was 2014 when they played Germany. Gotcha. I'm, I just want to see what, uh, what y'all think Argentina's chances are. I mean, I know they kind of got off to a slow start. You know, I'm a Messi fan. I like watching him play. I mean, I like to see him, uh, you know, get a World Cup. Before he uh, he retires, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just listen up on and, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate, Appreciate you, Mark. Thank you, man. So the the Argentina thing, I think they've got a shot. Um, I mean, you've always got a shot when when you're a country that that puts together high caliber talent like Argentina does. Um, but man, you know, you look at teams like. Spain this year is on another level, and you've got Brazil and Portugal. It's even even England. You know, I know they haven't looked impressive in some of their matches, but I I, I could see Argentina making a run at it, but they're really going to have to. Start putting a little more offense together. And same, and same with the U.S. I mean, you've scored two goals in three matches. You are going to have to fix that. Um, you're gonna have to put more offense together if you if you want to find a find a run in in this tournament. But and then you know I want to go back to the playoff you know quickly before we we take a timeout. So let me say this. Let me let me backtrack on, on what I said about LSU. I didn't expect them to fall this far. Do I think that it was warranted? Yes, you had a bad loss. However, with the way that the committee was showing LSU love all season, because let's be honest, when the first rankings came out, should LSU have been number 10? No. They shouldn't have. The only reason I think the only reason that they were number 10 was so that they could set up a top 10 Alabama-LSU matchup. I don't think LSU deserved to be number 10 when the playoff ranking first came out. So with that in mind, I thought that maybe they would keep LSU at the 9, 10, 11 window. Um, so I was surprised to see them fall as far as they did. 
but I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't warranted. Um, but no, the, the for the most part, the committee got the rankings right. There's just a couple of teams that I would I would maybe move around. But I'm not going to sit here and say that LSU doesn't have quality wins. You beat Alabama. You beat Florida. You beat Ole Miss. You beat Mississippi State. I mean, at the time, Mississippi State was a top team in the SEC. Granted, they fell off a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you look at the the top 25, you have wins over one, two. You've got wins over two members currently in the top 25, plus teams that spent a majority of the time in it, like Ole Miss, and you know Florida, they they didn't have a great year, but I, I still view that as a quality win. So, I, again, I, I think they got it right more than they didn't. Tune in tonight from six to seven for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking all things Cowboys as head football coach Gary Goff joins the show. So tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. This man saw me on Monday. He saw me yesterday. And now he gets to talk to me today. Jay Walker, you are a privileged man. How are you? I, I look, it just doesn't get a whole lot better than this, especially after listening to a commercial about my pancreas. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So there there's Jay Walker, ladies and gentlemen. Um let's talk about men's basketball last night, getting a pretty dominant 104 to 70 win over Loyola New Orleans. The Cajuns scored the first 14 points in this game. Loyola trimmed it a little bit, got down to to nine at one point, and then you know Louisiana just kind of kept their foot on their gas on the gas in the second half to run away with it. Jordan Brown with another dominant night. Talk about this game and another big win for Bob Marlin. Well, it um, you know it, it was a nice win. Look, you know this is a team that won the NAIA national championship last year, and I don't know if they're going to win it this year or not. But this is a team that I don't know that the Cajuns were supposed to beat by 40, all right? I'm um, certainly not surprised that they won. But, you know, I was joking with Coach after the game because, you know, you've played two non-D1s so far. you played Centenary, and now you've played Loyola. Both times, the leading scorer for the opposition was somebody from Acadiana. You had a young man from Rain that was the leading scorer for Centenary, and, and Last night, uh, young Harden from Lafayette Christian Academy was the high scorer for uh, for Loyola. So, so I told him, I said, you know, you seem to bring the best out in local guys that you didn't sign. Yeah, you know, he he's definitely. Yeah. Good. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, he he definitely has the 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 tendency to do that, and you know, obviously, this was a big bounce back win for this team 
considering their loss to Drake over the weekend. Now, one thing I found interesting about this game, Jay, before we move on to women's basketball and football, you know, you look at Jordan Brown, 27 points, but he only had four rebounds last night. And then you look at the other side of the front court, Terrence, Terrence Lewis, he had 11 points, but 17 rebounds. Terrence Lewis is just a rebounding machine, you know, and we've seen this all year. He's especially effective on the offensive boards. You know, I think Jordan Brown's a pretty good defensive rebounder, but not so much on the offensive end. But Terrence Lewis is a really good offensive rebounder. And, uh, you know, if you looked at second-chance points last night, it was a lot to a little uh, in favor of the Cajuns, and Lewis was a big, uh, big reason why. Now, looking at the women's basketball real quick, they got a good win at home yesterday over LSU Shreveport, seventy-two to forty. Now back at five hundred. You know they had a they had a tough stretch early, playing some good competition on the road, uh, but but big for them to to get a win at home and and get back on the right track. Yeah, it was, and I think the biggest thing they're going to take from yesterday's game is as a confidence builder because this team's not shot the ball well at all in any game this year and yesterday was different because they were able to shoot uh 53 percent uh for the game and uh, you know because of that i think that that's going to help this team yeah it was a a non-division one team but it doesn't matter i mean they they um they simply have had trouble making shots and they were able to get some the other day. I think fundamentally they were better as far as their shooting was concerned. And hopefully that'll help them because it, uh, it's, it's been a tough sledding for Gary Broadhead's team as far as shooting the basketball is uh, concerned so far this year. Jay, let's look at football now, finishing the year 6-6 six and six after the big win on the road over Texas State. And, you know, Obviously, Chandler Fields did, did a nice job of, of running the offense. Had some had some big moments, but man, what stuck out to me was at the very end when Zion Chris came onto the field and went five of six for eighty four yards and a huge touchdown to Lance LeJean. Well, you know he's uh, he's a very talented kid, and and we know that we knew that coming in. Coaches have uh, have raved about him. Um, you know, I, I thought he did a great job. Uh, in the in the series that he got, now I want to temper everybody's enthusiasm because I don't think he's ready yet, uh, and I'm not sure that he'll be ready next fall. But you got a glimpse of the athleticism, you got a glimpse of the size and the confidence and and everything else that we think we're going to see um, out of this guy. And it was, you know, you I think you've got to look at the future uh, of this team. Um, and it was it was nice to see. You know, I I had heard so much about him. I I was hoping I'd get a chance to see him perform this year, and and I was glad I did. But now let's go back to to Chandler Fields. You know, like I said, did a very nice job of of running this offense. And you know, a lot of people look at the Florida State game and, and said, well, you know, obviously they're a, a higher ranked opponent. A, a, there's a talent gap there, no question. Uh, and then also, it was his first start in five weeks so that kind of forced him to you know pick the game back up pretty quickly but no I mean you look at it 16 to 26 187 yards two touchdowns I thought he played well against the Bobcats I thought he I didn't think he played poorly against Florida State for that matter um 
you know, uh, the Cajuns were outmanned in that game, but but I don't think I don't think he was um, outclassed or overwhelmed at all. Um, but you're right. No, he had a, he had a solid game uh, against Texas State, and you know, kudos to him and to Ben. You know, I, I think they've handled the season and their ups and downs very very well. I think both have showed a lot of maturity, uh, and I give them both uh, a lot of credit. But look, you know, Chandler. Look, from the very beginning, we thought he was a pretty solid guy, and I think he's proven that this year. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajuns Corner. You know, Jay, looking at the season and everything that happened this past off season, and just you know, looking at everything with the big picture, six and six has to be considered a success in year one. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that you know, and I think we talked about this last week or maybe the week before. You know, the, the Cajuns had four, if you count Southern Miss, with a pick six right in the final minute. They had four games that they lost by one score. Last year, they won seven games by one score. So, as, you know, 13-1 and one to 6-6 six and six looks like a great big gap. But when you, when you take a look at close wins versus close losses, uh, I don't think the gap's all that big at all. I, I, I think overall, um, you know, it's been a solid year. Now, you know, Fans, and, and we've had this conversation before, too, fans are results-oriented. They want to know, did you win, did you lose? They don't, they want to know, they, they don't care about how much, how many, or all of that other stuff. And so I understand if folks say, hey, it, it was a step back this year. I don't think the step was that far back, and um, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's great that this team's going to play in a bowl game. Um, I'm looking forward to the announcement on Sunday to find out where they're going and who they're playing, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a reward. And it's ten times in twelve years the Cajuns have been bowling. And as someone who lived through the dark ages of raging Cajun football, uh, I'm okay with a bowl game every year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Jay. Wrapping up here, talking about the bowl game. I have seen projections saying the Independence Bowl, the Frisco Bowl. Some even still saying the New Orleans Bowl. I've seen the Lending Tree Bowl. And then one off the wall one for you. I've even seen the Gasparilla Bowl. I, Brett McMurtry, is the one guy whose opinion I value when it comes to bowl projections because he does a little research, and you can tell that he does a little research by some of the things that he does. Now he came out with a new projection today. Now he had a Sun Belt team in every one of the bowls that you that you're talking about. He had the Cajuns and the Independents against Houston. Um, I, I'm not sure it's going to be Houston. I'm more confident in saying it's going to be Shreveport. I think it could still be Memphis or SMU. Uh, but, you know, he had uh, Coastal Carolina and the Gasparilla. Uh, you know what? He didn't have a Sunbelt team in the Frisco Bowl, but he had, um, you know, Southern Miss in the Landing Tree. Uh, he had South Alabama and New Orleans. He had uh, Troy over in uh, Orlando. I'm sorry, and yeah, in Orlando, uh, he had Georgia Southern um, at the uh, Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, and he had uh, Marshall at Myrtle Beach. And I'm not going to be surprised if it shakes out just like that. You know, the, the other bowl prognosticators they pay a, uh, attention to the Power Five bowls, but but they just kind of throw them in. Uh, as far as the you know the, the the G5 bowls are concerned, those that are played before Christmas, um, I respect McMurtry uh, and the research that he does. Um, I think he's right. 
with Shreveport. I don't know if he's right with the opponent. I guess we'll find out on Sunday. Jay Walker joining us here for Cajun's Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend, and uh, when we find out the bowl, we'll talk to you again. Uh, look forward to it. In the meantime, uh, hope to see uh, some folks in New Orleans for the game against UNO this Saturday. Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.53 right now as we're wrapping up hour number one. Taking still look at college football, Trent Dilfer, now the new head coach Ooh. at UAB. Go Blazers. Look at him. Look, I think he'll do a good job. I think so, too, because what he's done as a coach so far still, he's been pretty successful. I, I think I think it'll be a good job for them at the program. Now, I, I was talking about it with you earlier, Matt, mm-hmm. how usually when it comes to former players – if they were stars or players that were really good throughout most of their career, they don't tend to be the most successful coaches. Correct. But then when you look at more of the mediocre ones who maybe had a little bit of success, but it's not like it was some, it was a mainstay of their career. Someone like Trent Dofer, who was a journeyman throughout his whole career, he won the one Super Bowl in 2000 with the Ravens, but after that he was a backup for the four years for the Seahawks. Correct. And and he was just kind of a journeyman throughout his whole career. In 13 years, he had 20,000 passing yards, and he threw 16 more interceptions than he threw touchdowns. Yeah. And then had a completion percentage of just over 55. Yeah, the guy wasn't great. It was He wasn't a great quarterback, but that's why when you look at it, usually the mediocre to mad guys of former players, they tend to be the ones that seem to be successful. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what, UAB can do because uh, I think he almost kind of feels like Jordan Palmer, someone that didn't really work out too well in the right. NFL, but can help develop quarterbacks and help develop offenses and upbring programs that have kind of been down. Correct. Correct. Um, I, I think he'll do a nice job. Um, uh, plenty of college football openings going to happen over the coming days. So, James, the Saints don't play till Monday. Thank God. Could Tyron Matthew take a quick trip to Atlanta, put on the purple and gold again, and redo the 2011 SEC championship game? Would that rejuvenate his career in the Lord NFL? Lord have mercy. During the break, uh, a highlight video of his performance from the 2011 title game popped up mm-hmm. against Georgia. Man, that kid was... Lord have mercy. All over the place. Would he find the fountain of youth and uh, kind of keep it and still have for have it for that Monday wouldn't, night and for the rest of the season. Wouldn't that be nice? And for the rest of his rest career of with the Saints, however long his career is, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Um, also, another thing I saw during the break: Louisiana's softball schedule has come out. Mm-hmm. You ready for this out of conference schedule? Oh Lord, Indiana. <sighs> okay, Michigan, <laughs> Oklahoma State. What? Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, UCLA. Are they going to Oklahoma State? I don't know. Okay. 
We don't know the home and away. Right. I'm not. I'm not looking at the actual schedule. This is just a tweet. Um, UCLA, Florida State, LSU, Houston, Ole Miss, Texas, Florida, Baylor, and Texas A&M. Think Gary Glasgow's backing away from a challenge, or nah? Not even close. That is filthy. And you know what's crazy? UL is probably going to win more than half of them. That, it's it's so that is such an impressive out of conference schedule. So they're they're playing the Clearwater Invitational to open the season. That'll be. After so every year they kick off with the Louisiana Classics and then they go to the Clearwater Invitational where they'll play Indiana, Michigan, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State Arkansas, Arkansas, UCLA, Florida State. Okay, so never mind. I and was... then while they're in Florida, they'll go pay a visit to UCF too. And then on the way back, they'll, they'll play stop, LSU. They'll stop in Baton Rouge, play LSU and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and then they'll come to Lafayette in the LSU crossover. Man, and then Ole Miss comes to. Lamson Park. Come say hey. Yikes. That is a rough month of February. Hour number one in the books. In hour number two, we're going to talk more. We'll bring you some audio from Cajuns basketball last night. And Brendan Ertle joins us for Who Dat Wednesday right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, here on your Wednesday afternoon. In our number one, we touched on the college football playoff rankings. We talked a little bit about possible bowl projections. We're going to talk a little bit more here in our number two. And we chatted with our guy, Jay Walker. If you want to get in on the hotline, it's 706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can also watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James... So we talked a little bit about Trent Dilfer as as well. There's a rumor going around that Dion, who has been the conversation of many coaching searches here over the last couple of weeks, is down to three schools. And that he will pick a school by the weekend. According to a tweet from Kevin O'Donnell in Tampa Bay, the finalists seem to be Colorado, USF, and Cincinnati. So James, you know, and RP3 brought up a, a, a interesting topic off the air. He, he looked at me and he said, well, you know, Texas State's looking for a head coach. Why wouldn't they make a push for Dion? Which makes sense, right? He's, he's coming up from a small school. They need a coach. He can recruit. 
they could pay him, you know, they can make him the highest paid coach in the Sun Belt, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, here's the thing. Deion Sanders is going to have success anywhere he goes. And let me tell you why. That man is going to walk into the room of any recruit that he wants and says, I'm Deion Sanders. Come play for me. And he's pretty much that one exception to the rule that we mentioned at the end of the hour. Where I was like, usually most players that were really successful, whether it's any sport in in like the NFL, NBA, MLB, usually they're not good coaches, but Dion's an exception to that rule. Yeah. <laughs> he's Yeah. No, I mean just walking I'm he's, Deion, been, he's been great on and off the field. I I'm Deion Sanders. Come play for me. Like Hello. No um, brainer. So no matter where he goes. Now I'm not saying, oh, he's gonna win national championships, but like he's definitely gonna the help guy's build gonna whatever have program up. Eight, nine win seasons. No matter where he goes. So if I'm Deion Sanders and I have that in my head, wouldn't you go to Cincinnati? And coach in the Big Twelve? I mean, they're in the American right now, but in two years they're going to be in the they're going to be in the Big Twelve. Wouldn't you just go coach in the Big Twelve? I don't know, because Colorado just seems like a job that you will never win at, ever. Because no matter how good Colorado is, I don't know that they're better than Utah or Oregon or USC or even Oregon State. Like they are a middle of the road Pac-12 team at best. So my thing is, is it seems pretty obvious that you, you go to Cincinnati. And then another coach that has kind of been in some coaching searches for a while that should be moving on to take a better position. He's coaching in the Sunbelt Championship game on Saturday and Jamie Chadwell. Apparently Liberty is in the mix for him. South Florida has offered him the job from, from what I've seen on social media. And like I understand he might he may be pulling the Billy Napier approach of, you know, waiting for a different job. But once Grayson McCall leaves, you gotta imagine Coastal's gonna take a dip. Wouldn't you get out now? To to me, it seems like you would get out now. But because say Grayson leaves, he stays at Coastal for another year. Say they go seven and five next year, those coaching offers go bye bye. So wouldn't you just take one now? I don't know. That's just me. Seven oh six oh one 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 on the game hotline. James Bob Marlin met with the media last night following the Cajuns one oh four to seventy win over Loyola New Orleans, and he gave his thoughts on the win. It's good to be home. We, we were glad to be back home dressed in white, playing in, in front of our home crowd, something that uh, we always look forward to. And a lot of things about this game were, were good. There was some bad, too. Uh, but at the end of the day, just like uh, having the longest winning streak in school history start the season 33 years, we just set a school record for wins in November. So. Uh, something this team's going to take a lot of pride in. 
set a school record for the most wins in the month of November. It's pretty impressive. Cajuns now six and one on the season. You know, you you look at it, and we we talked with Jay about how you know Jordan Brown had twenty seven points, Terrence Lewis had seventeen rebounds, Joe Charles shot four or five from the the three point line. They were getting a lot of love from a lot of different places last night, and uh, Bob talked about that a little bit with with the depth of the team really starting to pay off. Well, we've got guys that can play, right? And we've, we've got guys that are starters that are coming off the bench, in my opinion. And we've got that kind of fire firepower. So we need to continue to, to work on it and, and score off the bench. It's part of our, our depth, and we've got to take advantage of it. And lastly, he was asked, you know, why was it so important for them to get off to such a fast start in that game? Yeah, I think it's it, it's always important. And uh the defensive part was a part that we really liked. We knew we were going to score the ball, make some shots, and, and we knew they didn't have a, a match for Jordan, although the big kid, when he came in, he played pretty well for him, I thought, at times. So it caused us a little bit of a problem. Uh, but the second half, we did the same thing. We, we came out at halftime and played really well and built the lead up and then just kind of swapped baskets down the stretch. James, this team will now head to New Orleans on Saturday to play UNO. It's always an interesting game. UNO's always had a pretty decent program. They were in the NCAA tournament just a couple years ago. You know, if they can get a win there, you come back home and you, you prepare to open up Sun Belt Conference play in a season where they were predicted to finish first in the conference. I know they haven't played a conference game yet, but if you're the Cajuns, I mean, you're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, you're six and one right now. You got UNO, and then you got Samford and Louisiana Christian, and then Louisiana Christian, and then you play McNeese. But, yeah, you, and you and you go over there to Lake Chuck. Yeah, you take the trip to McNeese. You and play then, an absolute stinker. Yeah, this one against the Longhorns. You're going to be playing number two Texas at Texas, so that one's going to be a really tough matchup. But then you—that's when you start get to play. You get to play the, the Chanticleers. You get to play Coastal Carolina. Yep. You go at Old Dominion, then you get Southern Miss, and that's when you really start hitting uh, some about play. So you feel like you can still hit a pretty strong schedule. But yeah, to me, the fact that you do have some stiff competition coming up, you starting off six and one. That was very beneficial because it, it builds confidence for this team early on. Yeah, and you know, you, you talked about the the number two playing number two Texas. I mean, that's just it's going to be a tough one. That's a that's a that's a money game, of course. Uh, yeah, Chris Beard. You know, it, it, it's crazy to to see what what Chris Beard has been able to do because I remember just a short six years ago, the Cajuns were were playing him once or sometimes twice a year in the Sun Belt. He was the head coach at Arkansas Little Rock. Brought Little Rock to the second round of the NCAA tournament, went to Texas Tech, brought Texas Tech to the title game, and now he's the head coach at Texas trying to you know, revitalize the Longhorns and so far off to a, uh, to a pretty good start at number two in the country. 706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline real quickly just going to go through some some top stories how about the mexico national coach 
Martino fired already they have fired him after he failed to reach the knockout stages in the World Cup um the man hadn't even made it back home to his home country before he lost his job like at that point does he have to go on a separate plane that's brutal does he have to find his own plane ticket back home brutal I hope not or plane tickets I I hope that they would at least fly him back to Mexico Holy moly. Early, is, or at least pay for his ticket if he's not able to go on the team plane. That is horrible. A uh, little bit of hockey news. Star defenseman in the NHL, Chris Letang. Well, I, I say star. He used to be a star. Now he's on the back end of his career. But still a big name, Chris Letang, playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is out indefinitely after suffering a second stroke of his career. Now, thankfully for for Latang's case, both of them have been incredibly minor. He said that all he had felt was a migraine. But he said that he knows his body. He said, I am fortunate to know my body well enough to recognize when something isn't right. While it is difficult to navigate this issue publicly, I am hopeful it can raise awareness. It is important for me that my teammates, family, and fans know that I am okay. I am optimistic that I will be back on the ice soon. That still worries me, though. Yeah, the second stroke in less than a decade. It's the second stroke of his career. Like, I, I worry about long-term with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, he is he is out indefinitely with, uh, with that news. And then going back to college football, Florida quarterback Jalen Kitna has been arrested. We are not going to get into the details of why he got arrested. It, it's, an, it's incredibly... You know, sensitive and if if you want to look it up, go ahead. Weird. If you haven't seen it yet, but I I am not going to get into that. Um, Kitna is the 19 year old son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna. He was arrested by the Gainesville Police Department earlier today, and he has been suspended indefinitely from the Florida football program. Uh, again, if you haven't seen the story and you want to know why, you can just type in the name Jalen Kitna and you will find it because it is a Top story in the world of sports right now as we stand. So again, run back through the college football playoff rankings. Georgia first, Michigan second, TCU third. No surprise there. Those are your three undefeateds. USC fourth, Ohio State five, Bama six, Tennessee seven, Penn State eight, Clemson nine, Kansas State rounds out your top ten. LSU sitting at 14, Tulane sitting at 18. Mississippi State in at 24, South Carolina up to 19. But man, you know, if a couple of games go wrong for either USC or TCU, things could be very interesting. You know, you got to hate to be Ohio State and Alabama this weekend because now you're sitting at home not playing a game this weekend, hoping that things go right for you. You're at the mercy of... Right, it's completely (laughs) out of your hands. And, and that's just got to be a, a brutal feeling. But again, you know, like they always say, it's got it's got to be more brutal for Ohio State because Bama, you know, as, as good as as they are, they have to be sitting there going, "Look, we lost two games. We know we're probably not going to get in." But with Ohio State, it's you lose your first game and now you you're lost, out, you now lost you're outside. The, you lost the last regular season game of the year to another undefeated team, and now you're out. So like. 
they've they've got to be sweating bullets like please USC please lose please please, please lose. CCU come on Utah come on Utah beat USC so we can we can jump in there um, so no doubt about it things will get very interesting throughout this weekend. If you are looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, then look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Before we take a timeout, just got to give a quick shout out to our friends at Suit Up. They've, they've helped us out before. I just have to say I just took advantage of their Black Friday deal. 75% off dress shoes. I got two pairs. Look at me go beefing up the closet a little bit we'll take a time out we'll hear from Caden Ellis and James Hurst of the New Orleans Saints up next they've got a big matchup on Monday night with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we'll do that next here on crunch time you're listening to the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, it's a good feeling. Oh, man. All right, so let's look at this. This is... We're talking about the college football playoff rankings. This is the... Each team in the SEC, this is their highest playoff ranking. Okay? Mississippi State, number one. LSU, obviously, number one. Tennessee, number one. Alabama, number one. Georgia, number one. Auburn, number two. A&M and Ole Miss, the highest they've been is four. Florida, the highest it's been is six. Kentucky at 9, Missouri at 19, as well as as, as South Carolina at 19. And then Arkansas, the highest they've been in the playoff, is 21. The only team in the SEC that has not made the college football playoff rankings is Vanderbilt. Shocked? Not really. No. (laughs) But that just goes to show you the dominance of the SEC. Five teams. Have been at number have been at number one in the playoff poll at least one time. I was gonna say it's not like other conferences where you only see one, two, one or maybe two. three schools right. really dominate a conference. It, it everybody's had their time in the in the sun. Yeah. And then and then you thirteen of the fourteen teams have been in the ranking at all? I mean, come on, man. That's huge. And you know that and, and five of them? Have been number one at one point? Correct. And then one of them has been number two. Is the highest that they've been. Who who was the highest that was uh, number four? Uh, that was... Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. Oh man, I'm going to have to go back. I got away from it. I stumped you. You did. You did stump me. I got you so good. The team that was number four, it was A&M and Ole Miss. I was going to say... Where they'd w- been number four. Where was Florida? Six. They were six. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... 
eight teams have spent time in the top five. That is, hey, man, it, it, it just means more. It just means more. There it is. All right, James Hurst met with the media and was asked, James, why are there so many false starts? You know, it really, at the end of the day, it's, it's probably um, in the moment and in, in the tough moments, you know, maybe a lack of focus, um, you know, understanding whether that's a silent cadence or that's a verbal cadence, understanding, um, you know, when that cadence is going to come, how it's going to sound, and, and knowing, you know, particularly what you're listening for or what you're looking for. It's just got to be. It's got to be a higher level of focus. It's something that, uh, like you said, has happened all season, and it's not acceptable. It's something that um, has to get corrected because it's it's an unforced error. You know, it's nothing the defense does that's uh, making us make that mistake. That's that's totally on us. So we've just got to take accountability for that. And it's it's frustrating. It's been a, a common issue all season, and it, it just can't happen. It's it's pretty simple. We've just got to get that fixed. That is something that they need to fix because I've seen too many false starts on the line. And, you know, he said a lot there, but here's how I can sum it up. Don't jump. There's an idea, right? When your quarterback says on three or you know the play call has a cadence where you're going on the second hike, don't move on the first one. Wow. I mean, I'm no scientist, but I mean, it's not rocket science. It's 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 really not. Caden Ellis also met with the media and he was asked, "What is the current mindset of this team?" Let's go. Like that's the mindset. Let's go. I mean, yeah, we're a game behind, but in the, the day, we get to see all three of our division opponents, and we get two other games. So we have five opportunities to go out there and um, and right our wrongs. You know, it's uh, it's crazy that we still have the opportunity, but we do. So um, that, I think that's the mindset. Let's go. Let's go get it done. Let's go win. Let's go be the team that we've always said we we're going to be. And I know it hasn't been pretty so far, but the opportunity is still there. So let's do it. It's so he cr- said, let's go, man. Uh, it's so crazy that <sighs> – the NFC South is now the NFC East. It really is. Because you're four and eight. You're in last place. But guess what? You're still a game and a half out of first place. It's yep. you're like, what? Yep. Is this the NFC East just about any other year? Within the last two decades, pretty much? Correct. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy to think. It's nuts so it really is. Um but no, you know, James, you know what happened for me yesterday? I just I have to share this. I made share, buddy. I made I made money yesterday. Really? How'd you make it? Well, you know, watch the watch the U.S. Correct. And you were so nervous. Oh, I was. They they had me so. How how are you going to park the bus and play conservatively with ten minutes left in the match <laughs> when you know there's going to be at least five minutes of stoppage time? How? That's horrible. But anyways. And also, Giovanni Reina, Jesus Ferreira, where have those guys been? What are we doing? The reason we don't have we only have two goals through three matches is because 
you aren't putting your best players on the field. Make it make sense. But anyways, I made money by, you know, looking at some interesting odds for, for the match yesterday. Like I used interesting. Like, okay, look, the, the correct score, Iran versus the U.S., was plus 300. I, I took I took the one nil win for the U.S. You bet on... That, that paid off. You bet on the correct score, I think, three different times? Correct. I had three different options. I put, I put a dollar each, and I cashed out on two of them. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> How'd you cash out on two of them? I cashed out early on one of them. Oh. I got half <laughs> my money back. Um, and then I put a nice little parlay together with... The U.S. money line, mm-hmm. Christian Pulisic to have one or more shots on target, mm-hmm. Christian Pulisic to have two or more shots on target, and his goal was his second goal on target. I also had a bet on Christian Pulisic being an anytime goal scorer. So, altogether, Matt, Matt had a pretty good Tuesday afternoon. So, shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook for doing that for me. It's crazy we talk about FanDuel Sportsbook because you can start NFL Week 13 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay, I know it's a Wednesday, but your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'll take a Ramondre Stevenson anytime touchdown, the Bills' money line, and then for Josh Allen to throw at least two touchdown passes. Bills your owner, choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set and ready to go. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus leg, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet, $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 770 STOP. We'll take a timeout when we return. Brendan Ertle joins us for Who Dat Wednesday, and we're all just going to vent together about the New Orleans Saints right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brennan, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? Oh man, not too much. Let's uh, before we get to the pain that is the black and gold, let's talk about the college football playoff rankings. I mean, the Beavs, Oregon State. Look at them. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a nice little win this past weekend against their uh, their rival across the freeway. Uh, I've been pretty spoiled this year with you know LSU knocking off those guys up in Bama. And then Oregon State beating up on Oregon, so yeah, it's 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 been an interesting college football season. Uh, we still got a lot to figure out. I'm pretty disappointed with how LSU finished their season. I think they could have probably snuck their way into that top four if they finished business, but they didn't do that. Uh, we still got a huge game, uh, obviously SEC championship against Georgia. Uh, but yeah, th- that that top four is interesting. The Georgia USC. Uh, I'm not completely sold on TCU yet. They're going to have a big game against Kansas State. So, uh, yeah, still lots of football to be played, and I, I don't think that top four is set at all. 
Oh, no, there's still a lot that could play out with that one. But looking at the Saints, uh, kind of going back to what happened last Sunday, uh, what what to you was most the most frustrating part? I mean, where, where do I even start? I mean, there was tons <laughs> of frustrating parts. And going into the game, I think we all had the same kind of belief that this team was outmatched. I think the 49ers were playing really good football uh, up until this point. Uh, Jimmy G was slinging it. He was making himself some money. The, the 49ers defense was looking really good. They were shutting people out. Uh, I I think the most frustrating part was that the Saints probably should have won that game. Uh, the way the defense played, hold that hot offense to under 13 points. You have the ball on their side of the 45 times. You don't score a single point. Uh, it really felt like the Saints offense was on their side more than the 49ers offense was on our side and that's frustrating um you go back and watch the film and there was a third and one uh around the 30 i want to say a 35-ish yard line and Andy Dalton throws that ball into the dirt um then it's fourth and one we kick a field goal and we miss it was just like problem after problem after problem they have chances at the goal line late in the game uh Kamara fumbles at the one that probably should have been a touchdown uh if he held on the ball that'd be seven points you hit Andy Dalton hits Jawan Johnson and Taysom Hill in the face. That would have been seven points. That would have given them the lead. Uh, just frustrating things all around. And the fact they didn't score a point in that game, the amount of times they had the ball in a certain situation is just just horrible. Bad turnovers, bad fumbles, just bad football. Yeah, and I feel like we kind of say this, and just people in general say this way too often when they kind of look at scoreboards or look at certain statistics because it's like, well, if I told you – that the Saints held the 49ers to 13 points, do you think they would have won? And you would usually say, yeah. And it, it kind of feels like you almost have to throw away statistics at this point because, or, or even like kind of trends of how many points a team scores because it, it really doesn't matter. You have to throw away all, everything with the Saints. The Saints team has been unpredictable. Um, you can't look at box scores because sometimes when the offense doesn't produce, they win, and sometimes when the defense doesn't produce, they win. And it feels like it takes a absolutely perfect game from start to finish for them to just win a game. Uh, we saw that Raiders game is probably the best game we'll see all year long. The Rams game, there was times when I thought the Rams had that, and then there were times I thought the Saints had it, and it's just been a roller coaster. Uh, for this team and mistakes have kind of just driven Dennis Allen so deep into this hole. And last week I said, you know, I think Dennis Allen's safe for this year and maybe next year. After this performance, it's like, is he safe for this year? Is he safe for next year? Can you fire him? Is this a spot where if you fire Dennis Allen this year, does anyone even want to coach here? Uh, was he the right hire? Is he the issue? And I don't think that you can – point at just one guy in this situation. I don't think it's just Dennis. I don't think it's just Pete Carmack. I don't think it's just the co-defense coordinators. I think it's a group effort. Uh, I think it takes um, you know, it's gonna. it would take more than Sean Payton to fix this situation. It would take more effort. It, it'll take everything. And um, If you listen to WWL this, this past week, um, or maybe a couple weeks ago, Ryan Nielsen had one of his um, old coaches that he admired, Pete Jenkins, and he kind of said that Ryan Nielsen was, Nielsen was in like some deep depression of how this team's played, and he's been so down and depressed, and each week it just looks worse and worse. And I thought the defensive line looked pretty good this week, um, but it just wasn't enough, and it seems like one group produces one week, and then the next week 
um, we, we don't see it again. And, uh, I mean, Chris Harris Jr. has been a guy that I thought, you know, he was a good signing to come in and bring depth. But I think Dennis Allen's got to kind of take him out the game. I mean, he hasn't produced. He's been nothing but negative for that defense. I think Alante Taylor doesn't matter if he's got experience or not. I think he's deserved uh, some opportunity. Uh, and you need more effort plays like Kay Nelson has been bringing. I think he's been probably their best player these past four games just because solely he's brought the most effort. Yeah, to me, I don't think that even if they still have a bad season, because I'm looking at the trend so far. I mean, since the Seahawks win, you get a win, you lose twice. You get a win, you lose twice. You beat the Rams, but then you lost to the to the 49ers. You almost kind of think, oh, well, so you lose to the Buccaneers, you beat the Falcons, lose to the Browns and Eagles, and then finish the season with a win against the Panthers. And that would just only put you at... Six and eleven. Mm-hmm. And that's a complete failure for this team. It's this. It's 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 really bad. It doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. Doesn't matter who or what injuries you have. Everyone's dealing with the same injuries. Uh, I I feel like this Monday night game is going to be. It's going to be the season. It's going to tell if this season's over or not. I think you got to win the rest of your division games, like we've talked about over and over again. And just the fact we're playing on primetime money at football just scares me. I don't. I don't it's it's embarrassing to, to see this team on 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 any kind of primetime. It's embarrassing to see them even on TV. Just the effort they've brought. And you guys ask me every week, and it, have I hit the panic button? And <laughs> I think we're way past that point of panicking. I think it's just it's just miserable oh, football, and it's the, uninspiring football. The button broke. <laughs> I, 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 I'm throwing away the button. The button's and, broken. <laughs> Matt's hit it so many times that it doesn't press anymore. Yeah, it, it, like it, it, it's jammed. It, it's like the pin when you, when you play with the 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 clicker too much, it just jams on you. That's that's exactly what happened with the panic button. Throw it away. It's it's done. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you're at the point now where, like you said, you know, this game's gonna make or break the the season because you could still finish this season on a positive note. This team is not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. And I'm exhausted about this conversation because every team in our division just feels like they're going through the same exact things that we're going through. The Bucks last week, I thought I was I was talking about how they figured it out. They 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 got everything back on track. The offense looked good. The defense looked good. And they go out and lose to the Browns, who have been mediocre at best, um, a week before they get to Sean Watson back. And that game was. Uh, probably a game the Tampa Bay Bucks should have won, and they just kind of fumbled it away. And they're five and six. And if you told me the Saints were five and six at this point in the season, I would say that's a failure as well. And especially for them, they have Super Bowl aspirations. Um, you know, we got the rumors with Tom Brady. Is he going to keep playing? Is he going to go play for the Patriots after this? Who cares? I don't care at all. But you got to beat this team. You can't get swept by this team. You can't get swept by that. That fan base that I always go back to, uh, calling them similar to the Oregon Ducks fan base and the fact that they're just over themselves. But yeah, I, I think that you, you got to beat the Bucks, and I'm not sure really what you do this week of practice. I think you got to switch things up. Um, we've talked about Dennis Allen, uh, his insanity quote about doing the same things, and I think he's just continuing doing the same things. I think um, if I see Ryan, Ryan Ramchek resting the first day of practice, I'm, I'm going to be a little frustrated. This, that dude needs to practice. He needs to get on rhythm. He needs to stop jumping off sides um, on a hard count. 
Uh, we've seen it every single week. We've seen Camaro with the same discipline issues. We've seen him uh, bench for a couple of plays and then put him right back out there. Uh, I guarantee you if Sean Payton was the coach of this team and Kamara fumbles twice in a game, he's not seen the field again. So uh, I think just things need to change, and they need to change fast. You could pull a Kyle Shanahan and, and work on the mental side of football and not have a physical practice until Friday. I think they could use everything. I think I don't even know. What it clearly, it clearly worked for the Niners, and, and it does. And they, the the whole conversation leading up to that week was, oh, they're going to be tired because they traveled all the way from Mexico or wherever they played, or I don't even know where they played, but it was far away. And they, like you said, they didn't have a full practice till Friday, which is really unconventional for an NFL team to do. They usually have those three days, at least two days, uh, and they had those two days of rest, and it really paid off for them. Now, you know, looking at the Bucks, they're they're a team that has struggled as well like the Saints have, like we talked about with the NFC South. Um, however, you know, you, you never count out Tom Brady, um, no matter what kind of season he's having. Uh, only 14 touchdowns, but he's also only thrown two interceptions, and he's got over 3,000 passing yards already. You know, just what are, you, what are your thoughts for this game? You know, obviously on the road is, is never fun going to Tampa. Yeah, I think you throw out each of their records. I don't think their records will matter in this game at all. We'll see a completely different team on each side of the ball. There's going to be a lot more effort from each each side. I really hope Marshall Lattimore can play in this game. That would be huge to get him back. I, I think he was trending in the right direction this week. Just wasn't quite ready. If you can get Marshall back, I think that would be a huge boost. I think the back end is starting to play a little bit better. It started out pretty rough in the year. Um I think Adebo's looked a little bit better these past couple weeks. I think Roby getting him back helps a lot. And having Marshawn back would mean uh, Chris Harris Jr. doesn't get as much playing time, which is always a good thing, not having a that old of a player on the field against Tom Brady, uh, because he's going to look for those matchups. And there will be plenty of matchups on the field. Um, they've been decently healthy. Um, I think they've dealt with some O-line injuries here and there, but uh, I don't think Tristan Wirfs will be able to play in this game because he got – roll up on pretty late in that game that looked pretty nasty, but I don't think it's season ending for them. But yeah, the pass rush is gonna be need to be fantastic like every matchup this is with this team and um period, the Saints are gonna have to score points. They're gonna have to take care of the football. They're going to have to get Chris Olave involved. They're gonna have to try and get Jarvis Landry involved. I think that his contributions since week one have been pretty much lackluster at best and I think he's too good of a playmaker to just not get him involved. And I think they tried to last week. They didn't get too much of an opportunity. So get Jarvis involved. Get Olave involved. Try to get Kamara going. It's It's been a rough year for him, but take care of the football. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. No penalties. No false starts. No mental errors. Like Matt said, have a mental practice if you need or just have just kind of mental periods where you're going through plays, you're going through situations, and you don't – aren't worrying about these things and you don't look like the Colts these past couple of days where um, they're not calling a timeout in a prime situation and just coaching is the reason that you lose the game. So it has to be perfect this week, and um, I'm expecting the best ever from, from both teams. And I kind of want to dive a little deeper with the Bucks' offense because Rashad White has kind of popped off a little bit. L- Leonard Fournette, he has been out for the last couple of weeks, so – we could start to see a, a two-headed backfield for Tom Brady with Fournette and Rashad White. So that that could be something to really have to look out for. 
yeah, and that, that's a big thing in in fantasy football is that he's been kind of almost a favorite in that offense, uh, leading some stats in receiving and rushing. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't usually trust these younger backs, but it just seems like he's been the guy these past few weeks, especially with Leonard being banged up in the inconsistency inconsistency on that side of the ball. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a matchup issue. I think you'd love to um, see another good game from Caden Ellis. I keep saying, you know, let, let me see another week of good Caden Ellis, and we just keep seeing it. Um, so, yeah, making sure that Rashad White isn't a huge factor in this game uh, will be key because, you know, they're going to throw those deep deep balls to Mike and, and Chris and whoever else they end up putting up on uh, the active roster. But, yeah, I, I think this offense is something that they can still slow down. I still think uh, last game they played earlier in the year, it's going to look a lot different than it does now. But um, you look at the same blueprint, it worked. Your offense didn't take care of the football. You hold them under 10 points for the majority of that game. I think we'll see a similar outcome um, in this game as well. If you can get healthy, you can get Marshawn back, like I said. But, yeah, try and contain that run game. Make Brady beat you with your arm is, is something I don't think I'd say a lot. But, yeah, you'd love to see um, Brady forced to do one thing he doesn't want to do or or vice versa. Wrapping up, Brendan, so I'm looking at some college football bowl projections. Dude, do you have your bags packed for Vegas? I have my bags packed, and I have some other things packed as well. But, yeah, that would be a very nice bowl to go to. I'm not going to complain about going to the Vegas Bowl. I know there's some other options out there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the Vegas Bowl plays a Pac-12 team and SEC team, so I think it would be pretty cool um, to go check that game out as well. But, yeah, I'll definitely be attending whatever bowl they go to. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Brendan Ertle <laughs> joining us here for Who Dat Wednesday. Brendan, appreciate you each and every week. We'll do it again next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Hopefully we got some better uh, Saints talk to God, talk about. Please. <laughs> Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, college football is just drunk today. Now, former Nebraska assistant Mickey Joseph, or current Nebraska assistant, former LSU assistant Mickey Joseph. Assumed to be now assistant. Now former assistant, yeah. He, uh, I can't see him keeping his job. Uh, he has been arrested for strangulation and third-degree domestic assault. Hey, James, spelling lesson for you. You ready? Y-I-K-E-S. And that spells... Yikes! Yikers! That is brutal! Oh, man. I mean, first, first a Florida quarterback gets arrested... Now uh, a Nebraska coach gets arrested. That's just oh man, rough rough day in the world in the world of college football. But uh, you know, looking at what's on tap for tonight, got some good college basketball. Ohio State and Duke. McNeese is going to play Tennessee. You got the Pelicans on tonight. But James, one thing we haven't talked about yet, and we're obviously going to preview it tomorrow with tomorrow being Thursday. Got a pretty good Thursday night football game coming our way this week. 
We do. The Bills and the Patriots? Mm-hmm. It might not be a bad game. Especially with what we saw last Thursday with Mac Jones. If we could see more of that. Yeah. Cradavius White, get to see him play. Haven't really seen him at all this season. No, <laughs> not yet. Um, so that would uh, that would definitely be nice. And obviously big news for the Bengals if uh, Joe Bur- I mean Jamar Chase is actually going to suit up and play on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, he, is so, a, he is a chief killer. He is a chief killer. He is. Um, once again, like we mentioned earlier, UAB has signed or, or hired Trent Dilfer to be their new head coach. We talked about the college football playoff rankings and so much more throughout today's show. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Jay Walker, joining us for Cajun's Corner, as well as Brendan Ertle joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. And look, I send my condolences to Russell Wilson. The man, I know he's married to Sierra. I know he's, he's got, got a, fully a quarter guaranteed. of a billion dollars and all that stuff. The man threw a birthday, Sierra threw a birthday party for him. Yesterday, because it was his birthday. And only half of his teammates showed up. Man, about, that's uh, sad. No, the quote is about half well, the team. Well, I'm going <laughs> to give him the credit and say half. James, God, don't pound on the man. That's sad. I feel for him. That, that's, and, and I know probably, it probably got a lot to do with him, and that's it's whatever. I, still, when you're on a team, you expect your teammates to show up to your party, and that's just sad. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. And we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same station, here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's send it over to Lake Chuck. Jim Gazzolo and the McNeese Coaches Show is next.